Well, we saw Max Verstappen delight the home crowd at Zandvoort, winning the Dutch Grand Prix. And we also see the major domino that fell in the driver market for 2022. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. It's our review of the Dutch Grand Prix. Reminder to subscribe to the podcast. If you like what we're doing, leave us a five-star review. You can also like our Facebook page, the Overtake F1 podcast. Hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can also email the show if you're so inclined at the Overtake F1 podcast at gmail.com. Right. It was a fantastic scene in the Netherlands as Max Verstappen gave the home crowd exactly what they wanted. A pole position start, a dominating win at Zandvoort, a race 36 years in the making, and in the process, he takes over the championship lead from Lewis Hamilton. So on this podcast, we're going to discuss Verstappen's win, the race in general, also the failed strategy of Mercedes in trying to win that particular Grand Prix. The overall grade of the race, pretty much a new circuit, even though it had been run before, but not in this way. And we'll go over all the teams and their weekend at Zandvoort and, of course, the announcement of Valtteri Bottas and his move to Alfa Romeo. All right, so let's get started. Verstappen gets the triple at his home track. He wins pole position, he wins the race and the championship lead. And I cannot stress how impressed I was by this. I said in the review that I thought Max would dominate the entire weekend. That's exactly what he did. Many people predicted that. This was not bold whatsoever because we couldn't wait to get to Zandvoort for this one. And he handled it really well, really incredibly well, to be honest with you. Now, the attendance was limited to two-thirds capacity, but this atmosphere was absolutely incredible. And they were all there for just one guy, and that guy ends up delivering. Now, had Max suffered an engine failure or like caught up in somebody else's mistake and was taken out of the race, then, then the result is out of his hands. But he didn't want to make that mistake. He didn't want to leave the Netherlands feeling like he let one slip away. He did not. So he gets the triple, and boy, was it electric. Now, I know that this weekend that we just had has been compared to Lewis Hamilton fans at Silverstone, the Tifosi at Monza, Checo fans in Mexico, Alonso in Spain. I get it. Those fans are as passionate as any other. There's no doubt about that. Okay, but this is a little different because of the 36-year gap between Grand Prix races. Now, once again, this Grand Prix was supposed to happen in 2020. Every year outside of the pandemic, they get a race on the calendar where they can cheer on their driver. Dutch fans couldn't do that for nearly four decades. They had to travel to root for Max, and they did. They did in huge numbers. But this was a home race for the first time since 1985, and Verstappen handled it all tremendously well. He deserves a lot of praise for the way he handled that kind of pressure. Now, the race started with Verstappen and Hamilton on the front row for the sixth time this season. You had Valtteri Bottas and Pierre Gasly in row two. The Ferraris are in row three. Antonio Giovinazzi had a really nice qualifying run. He is in, in P7. Esteban Ocon alongside in row four. Sergio Perez, he has to start from the pit lane. Now, the start of the race had me a bit excited because going into Tarzan, I wondered how Verstappen and Hamilton would handle that quarter. It's tight, but it's banked. It's a right-hander. Would they make contact if Hamilton got off to a good start? But instead, Max got right down to block Lewis, took off. More action was going on behind them as the cars started to find their groove. But by the time we had done one quick lap around Zandvoort, Verstappen had a 1.7 second lead. And he had that lead extended to over three seconds before Lewis Hamilton came in on lap 21 for his first pit stop of the day. And then he came out in third. And that was the edge Verstappen and Hamilton had over the rest of the field, right? That 
Botas was sort of playing around with those guys, but nobody else was anywhere near these two. Verstappen came in a lap later of Hamilton, and he got back out ahead of Hamilton, then tracked down Valtteri Botas to regain the race lead. Now, this is where Mercedes had the two-car strategy over Red Bull. They could leave Botas out on a longer stint, hope that he would block and hold off Verstappen while Hamilton was trying to cut the gap. He did that to an extent, but not quite as good because Verstappen was right on the back of Botas and got around him on lap 30 of 72. And he really didn't have much trouble overtaking Botas. It really was not that complicated and, and difficult. But he also needed to make sure he didn't run out his tires. So Verstappen is heading to Botas. He's trying to play both games. He's going to get by Botas, but he also wants to make sure he's not wearing out his tires in the process of doing that. But once Botas went wide off the chicane at lap 31, Verstappen made his move down the straight and got the lead again. Hamilton then passed Botas because that's a no-brainer. That gap became less than a second. The crowd is absolutely going wild. Verstappen got his lead back up to around three seconds or so, and they, they started to prepare for the second round of pit stops. And this is where it gets kind of interesting. Hamilton went in at lap 40. They brought him, in, brought him out with a bunch of cars. Hamilton didn't like that at all. Now, Verstappen had great pace when he came in a lap later, took on hard tires. Hamilton is riding on the mediums. Now, this moment, it feels like we could have a battle between these two, right? There's still enough laps in the race. One's on the mediums. The other's on the hards. Let's see if we get some good racing. Let's see if we get a good battle. But then when the cars got out going again, Max had a three and a half second lead. Hamilton needed to get 32 laps off those mediums. Max was making the hards really, really work for him. You know, but still, Hamilton is cutting into that lead a bit. But then strangely, the team tells Hamilton not to race. And this comes at lap 55. They go on the radio and Hamilton says, hold on, I'm, I'm gaining. And then they go, okay, go ahead and race again. It's the weirdest message I've heard. I know there was a strategic element to it, right? We don't want to blow. If we're going to race this and Max is this strong, we don't want to blow the tires and come in last, right? We don't want to, we don't want to lose this race. We don't have a DNF. So go easy. But Hamilton is persistent that he's able to track down Max. There's still plenty of laps left. Again, this comes in at lap 55, 72 are, are needed to complete this. But then about 12 laps to go, Hamilton is saying that his tires were a problem. Now you can take that however you want. I know Hamilton does this occasionally. You know, he says his tires are gone, but usually is when he has the lead, but he keeps putting in fast laps. But even Verstappen was asking on the radio if Hamilton was complaining about something. Now, there's two ways to read this, all right? One is, was Verstappen being a little snarky? Like, is he complaining about something again? Or was he legitimately asking his team, is he complaining about something I need to know? Like, I, I need to know. Is he saying his tires are worn? Is he saying something's wrong with the car? He's noticing that his gap is getting a little wider, and he's probably a little, all right, what exactly is going on in the Mercedes? Are you hearing anything on Hamilton's end? You can take it both ways. I, do I prefer the snarky Max Verstappen angle to that story, by the way? Just me, but you know, I could see the I could see the second one being more legitimate. However, this threat from Hamilton, it never came. Verstappen never had to worry about Hamil a Hamilton charge. Mercedes brings in Botas. I initially thought this was for a fastest lap while Hamilton was gonna stay behind Verstappen, hoping for a mistake. And since Max had like a three to four second lead at the time. But I was wrong because the team tells Botas not to get the fastest lap at all. 
And he was running like purple sectors before finally backing off in sector three. Now he ends up getting the fastest lap anyway, despite backing off in sector three and then Hamilton, because he needs the extra point has to come in for tires so he can go out and get the fastest lap. And at this moment, Max Verstappen knows he can cruise to victory. He's lapping the field. The only guy that had a chance to catch him is now in the pits going for a fastest lap, conceding the race to him right around Zanvoort, Max, because you're going to be the champion of the Dutch Grand Prix. He does it in front of a loud orange crowd. It's the fifth victory from pole position. It is the seventh win of the season. And he now heads to Monza with a three point lead. Okay. What about the race itself and the circuit? Now the atmosphere was absolutely tremendous all week long. You could really feel the energy watching the broadcast. You could really feel how that crowd was on top of the action just making their presence known. We haven't had that in a while in formula one. You know, we've seen it in, in bits and pieces in 2021, but I mean, last year was so, so dark because nobody was in the stands, but from Friday practice through the Grand Prix, again, you could feel the energy atmosphere does go a long way in sports, but it's also how we process it. Sometimes you could have a boring football game, but if it's the Rose bowl, it sort of changes the perspective of it all. Right. And this race was that overtaking was hard. It wasn't impossible. Sergio Perez certainly was able to do it. Uh, Fernando Alonso right off the gun was able to do it. It wasn't impossible, but there was no epic battle up front. No matter how close Hamilton got to close the gap, there was no, nothing to indicate that this was going to be a mano a mano clash between these two guys vying for the championship. Every strategic play Mercedes made didn't work. So in the end, this wasn't a memorable race from the standpoint of actual racing, because if you just look at the prism, look through it in the prism of that, just racing elements, this was almost like Austria, right? Remember in Austria when Hamilton's like, ah, that's it, I got nothing. But, but, and this is key, you combine it with everything else, the fans, there's a newness to this circuit, there's pressure that Max was under, how he delivered under that pressure. I mean, he, this race is circled on the calendar. They're at Zanvoort for this reason. They're, they're there for him. They're there for him and he delivers. And I can't begin to stress how major that is. We don't often see athletes deliver sometimes in the home event of whatever they're in, whether it's tennis, golf, auto racing, whatever it is. And he not only did, he gets again, the triple and comes away a complete winner in every category, all the way across the board. I thought Zanvoort was great. It seemed like every camera angle that they showed cars were off corners. It was banking. There were hardly any straight lines. I really enjoyed it. I wanted more drama on track and I wanted some of the strategic elements to work a little bit. So we, we had a little bit more to kind of sink our teeth into. We, we really didn't get it, but overall I thought the weekend was fantastic. It, it was, I thought the circuit was great. All right. Now let's get to Mercedes for a second here. They didn't bring the Ray game on Sunday in terms of strategy. It, a lot went wrong for the silver arrows. Let's, let's go through it. And the early pit stop was not smooth for Hamilton. So the attempt to undercut max failed. They brought him in too early for the second pit stop. At least according to Hamilton, the team was probably thinking, you know, we better get him in as quickly as possible. But Hamilton felt like they could, he could have gone a lot more on those tires, but whatever the case, whatever the timing whether the team thought it should have been earlier and Hamilton shot it should have been later. It just didn't feel right. That second stop because they made him go a little longer on the mediums than he, than he wanted. And the strange message from Pete Bonington was to not push when Hamilton was trying to close the gap. This was kind of a mess. I mean, they bring him out with cars on the track. It was really a, not a well executed attempt on the second pit stop to undercut. 
and, and Botas, he, he really didn't help here. He couldn't defend when he had the lead. Max had really no issues passing him on lap 30. Now, he did help close the gap, but the second round of pit stops really didn't help Hamilton again when he came out into all that traffic. Red Bull putting Max on the hard tires worked as well as expected. Max didn't need to come in again. It didn't have any issues as the race neared the conclusion. The Mercedes couldn't really counter with the hards because they didn't really have a lot of data on the hards because they had some issues during practice. In, in the next two races, Monza and Sochi, they should be good for Mercedes, but Zanvoort, this was not their best effort. All right, so let's run through the teams, give a report of what we saw in the Dutch Grand Prix. We'll start with Red Bull, a win by Max, and he did so without the help of Sergio Perez. He had to fend off whatever Mercedes was going to throw at him with their two drivers near the front of the grid. Perez, because of a change in the power unit, had to start from the pit lane. He used his overtaking ability to earn driver of the day. He finished eighth. He did earn some points. He and Lando almost crashed each other out. They did touch. It was a bit dicey. Perez, though, thought he could have even done better had that incident with Norris had not happened. Overall, though, the strategy team at Red Bull really deserved a nice race for Max. And overall, though, the strategy team at Red Bull really delivered a nice race for Max and Verstappen's drive was perfect. Exactly what he needed in terms of timing for the championship and timing for the location of the race at Zandvoort. Mercedes. I already touched on this, but it was poor strategy. It was a poor strategic day for them. Hamilton finished second with the fastest lap. That's key. And Botas ran third. But even though Hamilton pushed Max at times, it wasn't like it was at Bahrain. It wasn't even that close. Um, Ferrari. This was a top 10 finish for both drivers. Charles Leclerc finished and... Charles Leclerc finished fifth. Carlos Sainz seventh. They really didn't have much happen except 72 laps of staying clean and finding their rhythm. The point that... The point that they got put the the points that they did get put the Scuderia into third in the constructors race. Signs was passed late by Fernando Alonso. He was disappointed in that result. He did feel his pace was a bit off from practice on Friday. One note: both drivers really loved the atmosphere at Zandvoort. Fifty percent capacity at Monza this weekend. It should feel the same energy because Ferrari fans will show up. Leclerc won there in 2019, if you remember, in front of the Tifosi. It was epic, and Signs is going to finally feel that Ferrari love, even though fifty percent will be at Monza. So they both love the atmosphere for Max at Zandvoort. They're going to feel it at this upcoming Italian Grand Prix. Alpha Tauri, Pierre Gasly. What a great race for him. Started fourth, finished there. Best to the rest. No more, no better than what you could do. Even better since Red Bull had a car in the back of the field. And now he goes to Monza, by the way, as the defending champ. Yuki Tsunoda had to retire the car due to some power issues. Alpine. Fernando Alonso got off to a great start. He moved two spots with overtakes of Esteban Ocon and Antonio Giovinazzi. He passed Carlos Sainz on the last lap to finish sixth. He didn't think he could catch the Ferrari, so he was happy with that pass. Ocon, though, had some issues with a plastic bag in his wheel. He finished ninth. It's a good haul of points for this team. Really good haul of points. Now, McLaren, this is not a good day at all. Daniel Ricciardo finishes 11th. Lando Norris finishes 10th. So they gained just one point. Ricardo had some early issues, but they seemed to go away, but he could not hold up to the Alpine drivers in front of him. He led Norris through on fresher tires, played the team game, but the hard tires weren't really working for him at all. Norris had a tangle with Perez where they touched. Both drivers didn't start well on the grid either. Aston Martin. Both drivers finished outside the top 10. No points. Sebastian Vettel finishing 13th. Spun out. Nearly collided with Valtteri Bottas, but after that, nothing. He started in the back of the pack. That's where he finished. Lance Stroll finished 12th. I can't remember anything he did in the race. 
It was a one, he was on a one-stop strategy. It really didn't help him at all. I still, I, I couldn't remember anything he did. Alfa Romeo. Now there's going to be more on them later, of course, because we're going to get the Val through Botas news. Kimmy was out for the weekend because of COVID. Robert Kubica was in the seat. He finished 15th. Had some battles early with Yuki Sonoda. Antonio Giovinazzi had a great Saturday. He put, uh, qualified seventh, but he ended up finishing 14th. The race got the better of him. Some contact early. He slid down the order had a late puncture and his chance for points went away. Williams, George Russell retired due to mechanical issues. He's running P11. Then he got penalized for speeding in the pit lane and Nicholas Latifi finishing 16th. Haas, well, those two drivers had a terrible weekend. They were squabbling over each other. Nikita Mazepin retired the car. Mick Schumacher finished 18th. Wasn't a good day. When is there ever a good day? When they have one, I'll be sure to let you know when Haas does decent. All right, the big news, of course, Valtteri Bottas is signing a multi-year deal with Alfa Romeo. He takes over the seat that Kimi Raikkonen is vacating due to the retirement. This is the big domino we've been waiting for. It's now fallen. George Russell will now be a Mercedes driver in 2022. All of those years at Williams paying off. We now wait to see who grabs that seat at Williams. For Botas, I know there's going to be a little mixed feelings here. I think it's good because he stays in Formula One. It ends all the talk about when he was going to be replaced by George Russell in the Mercedes seat. Been hearing that for a while now, and now it's done. It's done. He gets to go to a new team. Um, and Russell gets promoted and he, Russell did a great job filling in for Hamilton and Bahrain should have won that race. I got a puncture, bad pit stop too. But remember this season, he got points in Hungary, took advantage of the opportunity with a quarter of the field out on a first cra first lap crash. And then he did one of the greatest qualifying drives you'll ever see. He put a Williams on the front row, beating Lewis Hamilton in the rain. It's one of the greatest qualifying rides you'll ever see. And so everyone knew that this day was coming. Then it comes. And again, for Botas, he gets to stay in the sport. He's not going to go off doing rally cars or anything like that. He gets to stay and, and be a part of Formula One. And with the new tech regulations that are coming in 2022, Alfa Romeo wants to take advantage with a strong driver that's going to replace Kimi Raikkonen. And Botas fits that perfectly. Now, the question is, who's going to be alongside him in that car? Antonio Giovinazzi is not a lock by any means to continue with that ride. We could see Alex Albon in that seat. If he doesn't go to Williams, Nick DeVries, he's also been mentioned. Nico Hulkenberg as well. So we're not quite settled on who his teammate's going to be. Now, for Botas, I know he's played the sort of second fiddle to Hamilton, and he's done it quite well. He's won nine Grand Prix in his career. He's been on a number of podiums. But his role was to really help Lewis Hamilton win championships. Now, with George Russell there, I'm interested to see what this is going to be like with Russell and Hamilton partnering up because Russell wants to win world championships. And he's a driver capable of winning world championships when he's in the right car. And he's now in the right car. And this is going to be more complicated for Red Bull going into 2022. And again, I know the tech reg regulations are going to make it all more interesting, but Red Bull is sort of benefiting right now from having a car that equals Mercedes and having Checo in that second seat when he is contributing to the overall strategy. But Russell is going to provide a second championship threat that Botas just doesn't deliver. And again, if you have two drivers that are capable of winning a championship, I mean, really winning a season long championship, like George Russell is capable of doing, how does that play out during the season? Right. I mean, Botas, don't get me wrong. Botas would, you know, he, he wanted to win races too. And he won his fair share of races, but again, they've asked him to let, let Lewis pass. Don't go for the fastest lap, et cetera, et cetera. 
And I think if you're George Russell and you go to that team and you're 24 years old and you want to be in the same conversation as a Max Verstappen, who is in a great car and is a great driver, then you need to start showing that you are world championship material and not just a better second mate to another championship for Lewis Hamilton. So the worst kept secret in Formula One is now actually happening. Alfa Romeo is going to pick up Valtteri Bottas and George Russell is now a Mercedes driver. All right, coming up later this week, we'll have a preview of the Italian Grand Prix as they head to Monza, the Temple of Speed. I always look forward to it. As a Ferrari guy, I always look forward to it, see what the Tifosi will bring in terms of their support for the Scuderia. So we'll have a preview of that coming up later this week. Again, if you want to get into the conversation, let me know what you thought of the Dutch Grand Prix or any of the news in Formula One. we got a Facebook page, the Overtake F1 podcast. You can like it. You can comment on there. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Tony D Radio or working on a Twitter page for the podcast. Also, if you need to email the show for any reason, the Overtake F1 podcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up there. One special thanks as we are getting podcast downloads from around the world. For those of you who are listening to this podcast in the Netherlands, thank you so much. The country really showing its support for Max Verstappen at that Grand Prix. It was fantastic to watch from a guy just in old Nashville, Tennessee. I loved watching the Dutch Grand Prix. I loved the atmosphere. I loved the setting of that track. Thank you so very, very much for uh, listening to this podcast. If you are listening and you can share it, we really appreciate it because we are growing and growing and growing, but we will always need to grow more. Thank you so much. Later this week, a preview of the Italian Grand Prix. This is Tony Desiri, and this is the Overtake F1 podcast.